Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. I'm your host, Harry G, and today we've got a super special episode just for you. This is part three of Writing and Producing with Bob Cashel, television writer of The Simpsons, Third Rock from the Sun, The Muppets, and so much more. Listen in as we break down Bob's path of landing an agent at only 19 years old to navigating new grounds in television and entertainment. This is an episode you won't want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G, this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. You know, Bob, I just want to jump ahead for a moment. Sure. You know, uh, I see here that you did this TV series called Anytime with Bob Cashel. What was that? It was a streaming talk show uh, that I did for a place called Crackle, which was a streaming service run by Sony, uh, Sony Television and Sony Movies at that time. Crackle is not the second Rice Krispie? Crackle, no. Everything we had to talk about was Rice Krispie related. Everything. (laughs) Um, so it was a very odd show. No, there was no Rice Krispies related because <laughs> they called it Crackle. Crackle is a word outside of Rice Krispies. So my joke was not funnier the second <laughs> It was. It was. All right. So it says here, I'm cheating. I, I'm telling you I'm cheating here because, you know, I usually interview people in the music space. So that we're trying yeah. to deviate into entertainment here. So I'm cheating okay. by, by staring at your IMDb. So here you've you had Neil Patrick Harris on your show. You've had John Stamos, Jennifer Esposito. Yes. There, I mean, we had, we had, I mean, we did 26 episodes with 26, you know, famous people. So, so you've worked with famous people. I've worked with famous people. This is what I do for a living. I, I write for famous people. Okay. So, so what, what was it like having your own, you said it was a, a lot. Yeah. Your own talk show. So here's what happened. The writers went on strike. The writers guild went on strike. Okay. So none of us had jobs. You walked the picket line for a few hours in the morning and then there was nothing to do for the rest of the day. You're, you know, you didn't have a job. Yeah. What I did with my brother-in-law, Russ, who is a, he, he directs and edits and creates reality television and stuff like that. He's an incredibly talented guy. He and I were trying to figure out what can we do? What, what can I, you know, what, what can we do in this time? And what can I do in this time that, that online? And I had done a video called The Strike Your Marriage and You about what writers do to their wives when they are not, uh, what male writers are, do. probably very sexist now that I think about it. But writers, what writers do when they're not working now that we're all on strike. And it's basically just hanging out with their wife, whatever their wife is doing, and they're just always there. They want to go to the store with them. They want to see their friends with them. They want to go to work. Whatever it is, they just want to hang out with their wife all the time. And I was doing a show called Samantha Who at the time, starring Christina Applegate. And I was friends with Christina. And I said, would you be the wife? Would you be my wife in this in this video? She said, sure. So I made this video called you Strike Your, The Strike Your Marriage in You. And Christina Applegate played my wife wife. It said Christina Applegate is Bob's wife, filmed it and it went viral. It became, it went viral. It had like, where did you release it? Who really, I released it on YouTube. On YouTube. On YouTube. You, You just put it out there. Yeah. Just put it out there. And it was just really for my friends. It was not for anything. It went viral. It got like 400, 500,000 views. All the, everybody who was a writer saw it. It was like, it was like, it was a thing during that time, during the 2000, mid 2000s. It was this so little, you were a YouTuber. 
for a I little bit. I was a bit. YouTuber. I was a okay. YouTuber. So that's what this was. So when you're when you're explaining to me a live stream show, you're saying you're a YouTuber. That no, it wasn't because what I'll tell you what happened. So so that was on YouTube, and then we thought, well, how can we capitalize on this? What can we do next? And I thought, or Russ thought, one of us thought, or both thought, of this um, idea to do a five-minute talk show. It was going to be a uh, one-joke monologue. It was going to be exactly like a talk show, but it was just going to have one-joke monologue. It was going to have a comedy bit that lasted about a minute and a half, two minutes, and then a three-minute interview with a celebrity, and we're out. That was the whole show. We were going to do it in my garage. In actually, Russ's garage. It was going to be my garage, but it was in Russ's garage. And Russ is your brother-in-law. Russ is my brother-in-law. Okay. And we took one half of the garage and got a big-time set designer to design a beautiful, like, real talk show set. And then the other side of the garage, if you just turn the camera around, was a shitty garage with tools and a thing. And in that shitty garage, up in that area was where my full band was. There was an eight-piece band or a seven-piece wow. band. And they were all just shoved in this corner. Um, so these, the, you know, Jeff Garland and Christina Applegate and, 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 and Neil Patrick Harris and John Stamos, they would show up at this garage. Alex Trebek, Canadian, he was on the show. Will Forte. And, and you, would, you would interview them on the show? And I would interview them on the show. So we would film. I wore the same set, uh, the same suit, for everything so I could mix and match and put right. And then we would film the band separately. So we would bring the band in, we would film them separately. We brought them in like three or four times over maybe more than that, maybe eight times over 26 episodes. Uh -huh. We filmed comedy bits with them. We'd edit it with me in a suit over here talking to them. On, on my nice side of the stage, we did comedy bits and and interviews and everything and 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 jokes. We would just mix and match and edit because I was wearing the same suit every time, so nothing would change that way. Right, and I could do whatever I wanted. So we did twenty six episodes, and it, and you know it was great. It was we had the freaking time of our lives. Made very little money. Very little money, but it wasn't about money. I mean, we made no money. It was just about. I mean, they paid us for our time and our energy and and they you know we we got a certain budget per episode and we bought lights and we bought new cameras we bought this whole this whole rig it was rigged like a set and wow. i remember howie mandel who subsequently became a friend of mine through this actually canadian canadian another canadian he walked in he's like this is the great i mean you know how he's like nutballs and he's like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life i love this i love this i want to do this he was like crazy and that's how people would act. Or they would show up and like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going to a garage? What? It's like, how did I get in on? How did I get in this? But they right. did, you know? Wow. And, and you just... You, you had a talent booking agent. It was really great. It was, it was an absolute blast. How long did you do it for? I did it for 26 episodes. So I did it throughout the entire writer's strike. But then it kept going into my job on Samantha Who. It was very hard to, to, you know, write 14 hours a day and then sometimes drive to Russ's at night, you know, where some actor would show up and I'd have to do that or some comedy. It was like, it was taking up all of my time because I had this other job. 
And people listening to this are going to be like, fuck, you know, I'd put in the 20 hours a day if I had, you know, if I had that opportunity. 100%. But I also had two little kids. You'd already already been in the business for so long at this point. And I'd already been in the business for a long time. Yeah. I'd already been in the business almost 20 years. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's, 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 it's really amazing, you know, that you're, you're a creator, you know, more than just a writer or a producer, like you're a creator. Yeah. Yeah. You're creating before all these TikTok creators. It's interesting because we've, you know, my wife and I've talked a lot about that. Like, what would you, do you think you would have been? I'm like, yeah, back then. I mean, if TikTok or YouTube or anything was around back when I was a kid or younger, no question. Because everybody who wanted to be in the business when I, at, when I was a kid, you know, when I was growing up in the 70s or the, even or the 80s, you would get these big videotape things and everything cost loads of money. And, you know, you before videotape, it was all eight millimeter films. So it was like my, my friend's dad had a connection to somebody who worked at a film shop in Philadelphia and they sent us old rolls of eight millimeter film. And it's like, what, you couldn't get anything done, you know? Right. There was no sound on those. Now you buy a fucking ring light for 15 bucks on Amazon and you have your your iPhone that has a better camera than anything. Anything. Than anything, than any camera that was of use in the in the 70s and 80s on a major motion picture. Yeah. So it's a, it's a whole different world open to so many people, you know? Right. It's really leveled the playing field and given so many people opportunities to become what they probably couldn't become easily or as easy when you were my age but there's so many more people even doing it now you know what i mean it's it's very hard to cut through the noise very hard there's so much noise so let's pivot for a moment you know to this to this i I want to continue talking about this because you know i i feel like you and i could talk about your career forever you know like you've had so many, so many great credits, like, you know, uh, things that I haven't even mentioned, The Muppets and American Dad. Is, is there anything specific that you want to shout out from your career um, before we kind of talk a little bit about how the industry has changed? I mean, The Muppets was a very special show for me. I created that with Bill Prady, who... Let's talk about that. Sure, sure. All right. So how did that happen? How did you How did you come up with what you guys created, the TV series for the Muppets, right? Well, Bill, Bill, who who had co-created Big Bang Theory, was associated with the Muppets as a very young man. He, I, I, he knew John, uh, you know, Jim, Jim Henson, and he was in that world as a young, like almost like a PA, you know, kind of guy back then. And um, then he moved to Los Angeles and you know became a successful comedy writer. And I got a call from my agent that said. Bill was looking to create a new, there's a new Muppet show that is going to be on ABC. They've already, basically, it's a, it's a, going to be a done deal. Right. Um, it would be very unlikely that the show did not get picked up. Um, ABC is a Disney property at this point, still is, but it was, a, it was, you know, bought as a Disney property and they owned it and they wanted to capitalize on their investment. So Bill had created this short subject with these guys from the Muppets that was the Muppets basically in the office. Like they were, they were interviewed as the short subject. They were, they were interviewed like the office, you know, with the, with the, with the uh, testimonials. Right. And it was kind of shaky cam. Like they were doing the documentary. It was the same thing, but it was the Muppets. So that's what he had, right. That's what he had this idea. We're going to do the Muppets like the office. Right. Right. And he was looking for somebody to co-create 
that show with him. Well, I, we create, so we created the show together. We created this idea together. Yeah. So how did you guys meet? Let's start with that. So my agent said that Bill Prady was looking for a guy to co-create this Muppet show for ABC with him. And did you already have rapport with Bill? I never met the guy in my life. Mm-hmm. No, I never met the guy. And he had been meeting people and not finding anybody. And I met him, when I met him, it's kind of a funny story because my agent said to me, this is how shit happens. It's like my agent said to me, it's like Larry Sanders meets The Office. And it was like two of my favorite shows. And it was like, oh, I got to write, you know, I got to write for this thing and doing it at the Muppets. And then I started thinking, oh, Larry Sanders is the, as the Muppets. Well, that means that Miss Piggy's got to be the fucking host of the show. She's Larry Sanders. And then... And then it's got to be Kermit is the 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 the, uh, the producer, right. and it's got to be you know the Swedish chef is is craft services, right? It just all falls into place. Sam the Eagle is going to be you know the uh, the the person in charge of what you can and can't say, you know, all all that kind of stuff just seemed very obvious. And when I went to see him, that wasn't the case at all. That's not what the show was going to be. And it, he kind of had uh, lots of other different ideas. And I had this whole Larry Sanders show in my head. Right. So he's pitching me this whole thing. And, you know, Bill said he was pitching. And I go, Bill, look, that's all really cool and stuff. But I have, I have this other idea. Do you mind if I, do you mind if I, and he's like, no, no, tell me to Bill's benefit. He was, you know, he was like, to his credit, I mean, he was very, you know, he was excited. He was like, what, what, what is it? Right. And I pitched this whole thing out that I assumed that he was going to be pitching me. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Just dropped his idea, went with yours. Yeah, but we, well, we, we, he didn't go with my idea. We took that idea and that became the germ of what we created together. Because somebody's always got to come up with the germ of something. Right. Uh, well, in that case, it was my agent creating it, <laughs> you know, coming up with me coming up with it for me because I then created this whole world based on that. Right. And then pitched it to, to Bill and he added to that. And we really, we, we, you know, it was a very exciting time. It's almost like a beautiful game of broken telephone because your agent understood one thing. He told you one thing. I would describe it as, I, I would describe it just as that as a yeah. game of telephone. Yeah. And, um, and that's what happened. So then we created the Muppets and, and it was, uh, you know, it, it, it ran, it's, it's short, sadly short course. Okay. But at least it ran. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how the entertainment industry has changed, you know, since you got into it, what's things that you've noticed over the years. I know we, we, throughout this interview, we did talk a lot about how, you know, like, for instance, like TikTok creators. And, you know, maybe if people are listening to this in the future, it's going to be like Zing Zoom or something, you know, the, ne- the next, the you know, social. Zing Zoom, I just, I just put in a lot of money into Zig Zoom. Vested. <laughs> my wife did not want to. I said, Zig Zoom is going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And it's going to be, um, it's going to be hosted by Nurky Turkey. And- <laughs> so how, aside from how easy. People are listening to this and they're like, Nurky Turkey. What the hell is Nurky Turkey? Well, it's a private joke. Yeah. It's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. Yeah. And when they get to know us a little bit better, then they'll understand the joke. So but right now, these people can't understand Nurky Turkey. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So that's an even more inside joke, <laughs> and that doesn't seem like any joke at all. All right, Bob, I gotta bring it back. I gotta bring it back. All right, bring it back, reel it in. All right, take two. So, 
Aside from production, production quality being so much easily easier accessible, easierly, easierly, easierly accessible to yeah. the vast majority of people in yeah. you know the world. Yeah. How has this industry changed? You know, what do you need in order to thrive? How can you break the noise? Well, obviously, it's harder than ever. There's more people than ever. There's more diverse people than ever. There's more women than ever. There's more. The, the the landscape has grown so much, you know. Now that said, the landscape of where you can sell things has also grown, or it seems to have grown. It's sort of a trick. It's sort of a weird trick because where there used to be networks that were buying a lot of material, right? Those networks aren't buying as much material now. A lot of those networks are buying. It's uh, it's. I mean, if you really think about those networks, aside from certain nights of dramas, particularly, there's very few comedies on network television anymore. There's very few comedies on network or on uh, being made anymore, right? There used to be like when my I was telling you my wife worked at NBC when she worked at NBC in the late '80s. This is God honest truth. There were 18 comedies at one point on the air at, at NBC and three in the wings. So there was like 21, it was comedy was constantly being made at all of these networks, you know? Now there's like two, two comedies on, on a network. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, most of it's reality television, singing competitions and sports. I mean, that is really what network has become. But what about streaming platforms? And then, so, so now all of that content, has, so much of that content has gone to streaming platforms. But there's only, if you think about it, four or five streaming platforms that is that are buying content at a great rate. Disney is one of those, but Disney, so much of that content is within their universes, right? Their Marvel right. universes. They, they their create their own. Princesses and princes universes. And they, that is all of that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then you're so and obviously, I, and I'm always look, I'm looking at it as a comedy writer. I'm not looking at it as a drama writer. Right. So there's not a lot of comedy writing in the in the Marvel universe, you know, or the Star Wars universe or any of those. Whenever you hear the word universe, not a lot of comedy, not a lot of comedy in universes. So then you look at other networks, you look at Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. And it is still very hard to get comedies on in these in these places. And now, especially, there's such a backlog because of the pandemic. There's such a backlog of development that is happening. It's even harder, you know? Right. So it is, look, it is, it is challenging. It is, it seems like there's more, but there's not necessarily more. It just seems like it kind of seems like there's there's definitely more dramas than there were. Definitely not more comedies. And the weird thing is. In the in the old days, you would you would do a show and you would do between twenty two and twenty six episodes a year. So remember, I said you get paid five thousand dollars an episode. Right. You get paid five thousand. Let's say a, an episode, whether you wrote that episode or not, you're all producing those episodes together. You're rewriting them together. So you're getting paid for them, right? You're showing right. up every day. Now, how many episodes of television do they do in a season? 10, 10, 12, six. So $5,000 or $10,000 an episode isn't as much anymore because you're not making as many episodes. So even when you get a job, 
you're not getting paid as much as you used to because your job isn't lasting as long as it used to. Interesting. So it is a very complex way to earn a living now. You can obviously do it. People are obviously doing very well and it's possible, but it is just harder. It is harder because once you get on a show, you don't have the security that you used to. So it's challenging. So that is one big way the entertainment landscape has changed. But you know, the entertainment landscape has changed everywhere. Movies, television, play, you know, theater. It's just every world, it's just, it's become, it's contracted. The whole business keeps contracting. It's a hard world to, to navigate because even if you get a job, you've got to get your next job. Right. Fast. Because that job's going to be end quickly, you know? And the other thing is the jobs, they, they stretch out longer. There's a lot of talk about this in the Writers Guild, about, about these jobs you get on for not a lot of money. They last 10 episodes. But where you used to do 10 episodes in five months, you do sometimes 10 episodes in a year. So you don't even have the options or the opportunities to do the other shows. And there's no seasons anymore. Oh, at the end of this season, I have my summer and then I'll start on another show. There's no seasons anymore. Right, because TV's changed. Everything's changed, you know? Yeah. And look at the movie business. The movie business, we used to go to a movie a week. Everything was new. Everything was fresh and different. And there were movies for adults, movies for kids, and movies for this, and movies for that. And then you'd have your summer blockbuster time or Christmas blockbuster time. And those were when the big Marvel or what, or that times Marvel movies would come out. And, or, in, you know, in my youth, it was, you know, Indiana Jones and Star Wars movies and, you know, the first Star Wars movies and stuff. It's very exciting, but it would only happen once, you know, once a year. Right. Now, those are the movies. And all of that, all of what's happened in the movies has gone to television, you know? all the drama and all of the adult dramas and stuff like that, all of that stuff has gone to television. Mm-hmm. So back in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, something like Game of Thrones would be in the movies, right? You'd see Game of Thrones in the movies and it would be, it would be like Star Wars. You'd see an episode and you'd see a movie, a two and a half hour movie. They'd be like the Lord of the Rings, but now they're, now they're on television, you know? And, and, and you know, TV shows have gotten a lot longer as well, right? Like take take an example like Game of Thrones, for instance. And if you're a writer for Game of Thrones or, you know, a show that would run as long as Game of Thrones, so to speak, that would be like an hour instead of, you know, a 22-minute or 30-minute episode. Well, dramas were always an hour, right? But dramas with commercials were really only 44 minutes. Right. Right? So now a true hour and, and comedies were 22 minutes, 23 minutes. But do the writers get paid more for for these now? Some do, but like I said, there's there's they 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 stretch out over a longer period of time. Right, so you you end up losing for the most part. Not losing, you're making good money, but you're not making the money you used to. Right. The economics are just not as thrilling as they were you know for especially for younger writers than they than they were in the past it's just right. harder it's harder and, and and are you able to work on multiple projects at a time no when you are locked into a unless you have that deal with a network or a studio or whatever it is 
No, you're writing for those shows. Right. And that, that's what you're locked into. You're locked into that. You have an exclusive deal. And then, and then if they allow you to develop, that's on your own time. Okay. What else would you want to share about how this industry has changed? Well, I mean, obviously, besides all the things I was just talking about, the industry is switched so much to TikTok, YouTube. I mean, TikTok is such a primary source of entertainment for, for young people, for, for a lot of people, but specifically for young people, that I think that the business itself is going to change dramatically in 20 years from now. Because all these kids who are just like this, boom, 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 and their, you know, their ability to focus for long periods of time are dramatically, seem like they're dramatically decreasing. And yet, you could conversely say, well, but they'll also listen to podcasts, and, they'll, and those will be two hours long. Right. Two and a half hours, three hours long. So it's but but the visual medium the visual medium that is television and the movies and and now tiktok i'm not saying storytelling is ever going to go away long form storytelling is ever going to go away but i am interested to see just like when mtv came in the early 80s and how that changed the entire dynamic of what came after mtv editing cinematography music soundtracks the use of music it all changed with mtv it all changed. I mean, look, we're watching Top Gun Maverick last week, right? We went to see Top Gun Maverick. And before that, my wife and I said, let's go watch Top Gun because uh, we haven't seen Top Gun since it came out, you know, the original. Right. So we watched it and it's just an MTV music video. That's what that was, you know, Flashdance, Footloose, um, Top Gun. They're all just MTV music videos. Loads of, of editing and, you know, action and and nonstop music and that's how mtv changed things you know and i'm really interested to see how tiktok is going to have that similar you know effect it, it already i'm sure it already has to some extent i'm just not a hundred percent aware of of the extreme effects that that kind of product will have in the future and so so you have you have kids you, you mentioned that on the podcast and and they're they're what they're probably in their 20s Right. One is 24 and one is 21. Okay. So if let's say either of your, your kids' friends said, you know what, uh, you know, Mr. Cashel, I, I really hope they don't call you that. Mr. Cashel, I would say no. Bobby, I have a question. I, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I want to I be like you when I grow up. I, I want to be a comedy writer. Uh, what should I do? Uh, this, is, this, is the, this is the advice I give. Okay, which is this. First of all, write. Write, 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 and don't stop writing. I met with somebody not too long ago over Zoom, just a, a friend of a friend of, you know, like when I get into comedy, would you, would you meet? Sure, of course. Uh -huh. And I, I met the guy and I talked to him. And about a half hour late, you know, into this conversation with this guy who's going to be a comedy writer, you know. I said, well, uh, what, what are you writing or what, what have you written or you know, what scripts do you have? He's like, I wrote a script a year ago. I'm like, yeah, what else have you written? He's like, that's what I've written. And I'm like, and you're 20s and you want to be a writer and you, that, it's crazy. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I wrote 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was like, it was constant. It was a constant font. 
And when you're that age, that's where that those, you know, and you're and you're not encumbered by a wife and kids or a husband and kids or anybody and kids, whatever it is now, um, and kids. If there are children, um, you just like they're you're completely unencumbered. You don't own a house. You don't own an expensive car. You're not going to fancy restaurants all the time. Not that I'm going to fancy restaurants all the time, but it's like all I'm saying is those that the priorities, the older you get, and and you need more and more money to live a certain kind of lifestyle, none of that exists. It's just free. You're free to do anything you want. Create, create, create. If you want to be a writer. Right, 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 and don't stop. That's number one. Number two is what you were talking about before. You know, because when we first met, we were talking about networking and stuff and how important networking is. It Networking, you like to call it becoming friends. Mm-hmm. And that is really what it is. I think that's such a great way to look at it. Instead of networking, which sounds so business-like and intense, and it's, a, it's an intense word. Becoming friends, be a pal, be somebody's buddy. That trying to meet as many people as you can in the industry and becoming their friend or becoming a buddy and keeping, and this is something that I will be honest with you, that I have never been great at, but we are trying to instill in my kids is to, once you've made these friends, once you have networked, as you're continuing, keep in touch with those people. It is so easy, especially in an industry like the entertainment industry, especially in the industry like writing, where you get jobs and you have different jobs to go from one job to the next and forget about the next, the, the previous job. Because right. you're on a climb, right? You've got to remember, not that these people are lower than from behind, just that they're people you worked with. Keep in touch with those people, your bosses who who, who, who hired you, the, 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 the support group of those bosses, the friends you make in, on those staffs or wherever you are. Always be trying to keep some semblance of a connection to those people. It is very hard to do. The older you get, the more people you meet, the more uh, ephemeral it all becomes because there's so many people. Because everyone knows everyone. But find those people. Find, you can't keep up with everybody, obviously. But, but, you know, find those people. Well, it's like what we do. You know, we, we each host. So for those of you who don't know how Bobby and I met, I host uh, a music industry poker night that I started during pandemic, and Bobby had the same idea. And no, actually, I took over a, a friend of mine uh, who, who's a writer who created a thing at the very beginning of the pandemic, and then had a baby and couldn't do it almost immediately. Okay, so, so but but now you you run you run your poker night, and now I run that. Yeah, and and through that now, like our poker leagues have sort of merged, and people have met each other through it. And I, you know, I know we both try to introduce each other to to people that are in our leagues. And, you know, a lot of these people are in it, are in entertainment in some capacity. And maybe we've worked with them in some way, or maybe they've worked with people that we know in some way, and or maybe we don't know them at all. And then just out of this, like we get a podcast episode and people get to learn all about your background on my podcast, which is all about entertainment. And so that builds, you know, it, it, now, I, you know, I would be remiss if I, if I wouldn't say that we're friends, you know, I, I would call you a friend. You are friends. I think you're awesome. I adore you. And I think I consider you definitely a friend now. And, and that, and I know that I'm going to know you for a long time. Yeah. We're, we're going to go bowling together. We're going to go bowling together when I come up to wherever the hell you live. Or I'll come to you. You know, I've been looking for an excuse to go to Los Angeles and we'll take you for ceviche. Eh, I'm not interested in you being here. <laughs> I'll come up there.
All right. Sounds good. I'm embarrassed by you. I don't want you meeting anybody. <laughs> you know, I'm embarrassed by our bowling alleys out west here. I have yet to find a bowling alley that is actually like they like put oil on the lanes. And it's really weird. Vancouver's very strange. They, they very force strange. you to go out to go outside and not inside. But Bob, I want to, uh, you know, I kind of want to tie this up. I want to be respectful sure. of your time, my time. Um, my roommate's waiting outside the door. <laughs> oh. But, you know, this has been really, really, really insightful and great, not only for me, but guaranteed for at least one listener out there who wants to work in entertainment. Something that I was, you know, a kind of a closing remark that I wanted to share that made me think when you were, when you were mentioning, you know, how this industry has changed is, you know, staying in touch with people and really building a community. I can't stress that enough. Being active on your social media, even, which, you know, it's difficult for a lot of people. It's been difficult for me as well. I'm not on social media. That's the thing. I'm not on social media. I, I don't, I don't like, I don't, that, that's you, you already problem. have your network. You, you know, yeah. you, have, you have a network. I know it's still growing and you're going to meet people. You already have the foundation. But for a lot of people that maybe don't have that and don't have the years of experience, I think that, you know, using things like Discord or, or joining Discords and staying in touch with people from one Discord and bring them into another Discord and trying to provide value along the way is one really good way that you can collaborate with other people all over the world and meet interesting people. And that allows to have cross collaboration, whether you're a comedy writer, whether you're a videographer or a photographer, or maybe you're somebody who's a tech entrepreneur or a video game designer, or you just like to make beats in your room. There's a lot of opportunity now where, you know, maybe like you were saying, like the industry is contracting a lot. But how I see it is, now, you're not an actor, you're not uh, a musician, you're not uh, a comedy writer or anything. All you are now is a creator. And we are all creators within this creator economy. And there's space for everybody to play. And there's a lot of opportunity for people to collaborate with one another. But it's extremely important to remember to foster a community of people that can bring you up, have that support structure, and other creatives that you guys can this, you know, you guys can come up with something, you know, lightning in a bottle together, the same way that you had your own little, you know, your, how your show started in that garage, right? It started with an idea, you know, you guys all shit in a bucket, threw it against the wall and saw what would stick, right? That's right. And That's right. maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But then like you're saying, the writers need to keep writing different things. Because if you're not, if you're not showing people that you really want it, they're not going to want to work with you. That's the sad truth. No, they don't believe you. It's that moment when I was sitting on the roof of Joey. I just knew because that was his life. That was his, he filled his life with that. And you could feel it in him and on him and through him. And then it's like, oh, I believe you. You have to, you have to make, people are paying a lot of money in this business, in every business and anything. They want to believe in you. They're putting their trust in you to write, to direct, to act to work at a fucking McDonald's. They're putting your trust in you. Do the best fucking job you can in whatever it is you do. You're gonna fail, we all fail. But at least you know you did and you'll learn something every time you do something and create something. Yeah. And I think the way you put it, we're all creators. I think you, you couldn't have put it better. 
All right. Thanks so much, Bob. I, I really appreciate your time. And honestly, man, I'm I'm really looking forward to releasing this episode. And we're gonna sl- we're gonna slice it up, and we're gonna we're gonna take some little segments, put it on TikTok, right? So that uh, we can even reach a younger demo that is excited to work in entertainment, but doesn't even know that your job exists. They think that you're a director. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I want to be a director. All right, Bob. All right, thanks again. All right, got it. Remember, new episodes release every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific. See you there.